You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, welcome, guys, to The Devoted Podcast. Well, I'm excited you guys are joining me again today. So guess what? This is a topic today that I'm not very excited to talk about. (laughs) I found that funny to me because I think most of the time when I get on here and I tell you guys, like, I open up and I say, oh, I'm so excited about what we're going to talk about because I've told y'all I am, you know, whether it's we're talking about the word or we're talking about prayer, I'm like, oh, yes, let's talk about studying scripture. Let's talk about this commentary or let's all those things. You know, I get so excited about it. But this is a topic that I kind of have a hard time with. So I think you're going to hear me several times refer to myself, as I've told you guys before, sometimes these episodes, I think the Lord just has a word for me in there. But I find often that when he is speaking to me on something, usually there's some encouragement for somebody else out there too. And so that's why I think the Lord led me to this. So we're going to talk about fellowship a little bit today. We're going to talk about whatever you want to call it, fellowship, koinonia, community. I tell you, I even struggle with the verbiage on those. I don't know why. Guys, this is probably my weird attitude coming out on it, but they just, they sound so like cheesy Christianese to me sometimes that I have a tendency to, you know, almost be condescending towards it. And so perhaps that was the, that was some of the conviction that came into play as I started to look at this a little bit, because we're going to look at some scriptures that are going to tell us that this is clearly something that we are supposed to be doing. There's a Spurgeon quote, and I've got a couple of these today, but this first Spurgeon quote, he said, Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He attaches far more importance to godly intercourse than we do. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. Boy, isn't that an interesting quote that the enemy, he desires confusion and separation and division, right? And if you are in fellowship and community with other people, that gets pretty tough to do. Not that we as Christians don't mess those concepts up sometimes. Well, we totally do. But fellowship as the Lord intended it to be is a something against the enemy. Okay. But we have been in this weird spot this year, right? I mean, let's just think back over this last year and you're you're all going, nope, never mind. Don't want to play this game anymore. Because 2020 has been nutty. Okay. So we had pre-quarantine, which was just like busy, 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 busy. Okay. Perhaps you know, maybe too busy. I think I know for us, we sat there and went once all those sports schedules were taken away and the craziness of driving kids everywhere, we kind of went, oh, like took a big deep breath. Like maybe we needed this little bit of a reset here because pre-quarantine, super busy, probably perhaps even taking for granted all the things that we could do, all the people we could see, even going to church. Guys, who would have thought that that would have been something that we wouldn't get to do. I I mean, no one thought that. So that was pre-quarantine, super, super busy. And then we got to lockdown, right? And it was like, wait, we, we can't see people. I can't go to work. I can't go visit my awesome in-laws. I can't go to church like we talked about. Or how exactly do I throw a quarantine birthday party? I did that. We, we are my oldest son turned 17 during quarantine. That was pretty funny. So 
we had all these things that we couldn't do all of a sudden. And like I said, it it kind of made me think back to the pre-quarantine time of going, oh, man, I think I might have taken for granted a little bit being able to sit in a church service and worship with other believers. Boy, that one's been a tough one for me. So there was just all of these things. So looking back over this year, and then now we sort of have this soft reopening of life. And I know in some parts of the country, depending on where you're at, where you're listening to this podcast, some of you guys are open far more than we are. So I hope this doesn't seem totally out of context for what you're doing and you're experiencing in your daily life if you're in another state. But here in Oregon, we are still pretty locked down. (laughs) We're still pretty locked down. Now, people are going around and all that kind of stuff, but we still have a lot of restrictions. But I do feel like it's almost like the soft reopening. And with that, I feel like there's two camps. I feel like once we kind of had a bit of this opening, it was sort of like, everyone come over to my house immediately. Like, I, I, I need to see all the people right now. So there was that that was one camp. And then there was another camp that was kind of like, okay, let's just ease into this whole thing. Like, I, I don't know. I kind of was digging my whole quiet life and no real crazy busy schedule. And so let's just kind of chill and calm down. And oh yeah, maybe we'll throw one thing on the calendar. But there's been both of those camps. And and I think I have kind of fallen in the middle of that. And I think it might have even have depended on the day. <laughs> Perhaps it's it's kind of a, you know, a victim of our routines being just so completely upended. And we're still all just sort of searching for our new rhythm and what that should be. And and again, I would really encourage you to keep praying about that. Like, what should your new routine and your new rhythm look like? I mean, really seeking the Lord each day about what that should look like. But when it comes to this idea of fellowship and community, I wanted to look at what the word tells us about this. And, I, you know, the clearest directive we have on this is in Acts 2.42. And in Acts 2.42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay, basic verse. This is early church 101. And this verse is telling us what we are to be about as the church. Okay, number one, the apostles' teaching. Okay, that's just the word. We are to be into fellowship is number two. Number three, the breaking of bread or communion. And number four, prayer. Now, when I look over that list and then I examine the last several months of this year, I can go, okay, the apostles teaching the word. Oh, man, that's been a lifeline. Okay, I have been diligently downloading or watching every service I can. Uh, We have a Wednesday night service at our church. We have prophecy updates once a month and then our weekend services. There's been some weekends where I've watched church more than once. I have been loving really plugging into the word particularly during the season. It has just been such a lifeline. So I can look at that and go, okay, yeah, okay, Aim, you're doing okay with that one. And uh, then breaking a bread, communion. Well, that one, you know, we have even still been doing that some as a church, as a service, you know, and so that's been kind of a sweet time in our family because we've been able to do that with just the five of us. And uh, we also do Sunday night worships a couple times a month. And we've been able to do that as a family. And that has been really cool to see. There was one night that I forgot that it was Sunday night worship. And my youngest I found him somewhere in the house, actually had all his communion elements laid out, and he was doing Sunday night's worship, you know, and I was like, oh, man. And so that's just been a really cool thing to see. And we have still got to do that. 
And then prayer. Oh, man, we've all been praying. Have we not all been on our knees? And I can't have that too much, I don't think. We all need prayer. And I think in the last several months, we can all say, yeah, we have been seeking the Lord about that. We want to keep doing that one. But when I look at that second one on that list, guys, it says fellowship. It's right there. Now, I've often told you guys that we have to look at all of the word and we can't go, okay, well, I can check three of those four things off. So I'm probably doing okay. So we can just ignore that one that I'm not doing. That doesn't work. But this has been a trick this year, right? Because as you know, society has said that that number two, that fellowship part, yeah, we were told emphatically, no, like, no, 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 you are not allowed to gather. I mean, there's actually danger in you gathering has been the messaging. And so we have been told over and over and over, nope, no gathering, no gathering, no fellowship. Now, I'm going to say there's other ways to gather that we can do this even within our own with our restrictions and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But but by and large, the way we typically observed fellowship in this context was meeting, gathering, you know, with your small group, gathering with your church, whatever that looked like. But that that's not been allowed. And so we've kind of been through this, you know, fellowship fasting period, not voluntary, mind you. And I, I think, you know, we have to look at this and and then evaluate what role fellowship really should look like in our life. Now, I like I said, the silver lining in all of this is that during like that lockdown period, I think that season really forced us to evaluate kind of everything, right? It evalu- we had to evaluate our schedule. Is it too demanding? Were what relationships were really important? How should we be spending our time? And those are all just really good self and family evaluation questions that we probably should all be doing more often than we do. 2020 just gave us no choice. Like it said, it was kind of like a massive timeout. I feel like it was sort of like, sit there and think about it. You sit in that little chair and you think about what your life is right now. And and it was for most of us, we just kind of had no idea how strange it would be to not really gather in our churches until it was gone. So, but the pause, perhaps the time to evaluate there was a silver lining in that for sure. But then I want to look at how we should do this fellowship thing, because there's some components that the word tells us that it should have. And and we do need to acknowledge, I'm going to keep referring back to this, that Acts 2.42. It's one of them, guys. We don't get to just ignore the fact that fellowship is part of the thing, part of something we are supposed to do as the church and the church corporately, but also just the church as the body of Christ. We need to be you know, noticing all of those prescriptives that it's telling us to do. So, but there's, I think, some things that the word tells us on what, how this, how fellowship should look. So here's an easy one, encouragement, okay? Hebrews 10.25 says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I, you know, when it says that day, guys, that's talking about the day. As we see the times and the seasons around us and observing the days that we're living in, guys, we're feeling that day, right? And it's telling us to not forsake meeting together. And then that that little clause in the middle that says, as is the habit of some, sometimes I wonder, was that put in there just for me? And I'm probably painting myself a little bit more negatively than I should, because it's not like I, I do love to go to church. 
it's just my natural inclination sometimes to be a little bit more solitary. But it says, watch out for that. Okay, don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one, one another, build one another up just as you are doing. Boy, I love this word, okay? Build people up. Cheer them on. You know, I love this one for us as women because gals, we can totally, this should, for the most of us, this comes pretty easy. You know, just being cheerleaders for our friends and our family. I mean, yeah, let's sign me up for that. I want to cheer people on. But also as women, I catch us because this isn't always super easy because I do think Sometimes that comparison game kicks in. Uh, women were bad about that, you know, and even a conversation that you might be going into as intending to encourage. And then somehow in the middle of it, it's sort of like pointing it out that, well, maybe it must be easier for them because they work from home or they only have two kids instead of three or, you know, they're single instead of married or they're married and not single, whatever it is. And we can kind of go, we kind of, what we intend to be encouragement, sometimes we can make this little comparison situation. There's sometimes a fill in the blank thing there. And so I think we have to be careful about that. We need to know who we're talking to. And I think this one catches me because I think I've done this a zillion times badly. And I'm so thankful for some really good models I've had. I have a dear friend that we were really close when my kids were really young. And she was always so amazing just being able to encourage me, you know, maybe it was like I had been up for way too many, (laughs) way too many sleepless nights and the kids were, it was just hard time, you know, that season when your kids are really young and one's got an ear infection and one is teething. And, and so she would always be encouraging and building me up. And I remember sometimes it would catch me as I was like telling my husband like, oh, she said this and it was just so encouraging. And I would kind of stop and go, huh? Yeah, she has twice as many children as I do. Really, if I think about this, this should be way harder. (laughs) All the things that she is dealing with. And it would kind of stop me to go, boy, Amy, have you been considering her? Have you been building her up? Because she's been doing an amazing job building you up. But are you building her up? You know, so I think it just speaks to knowing the people we're talking to, being really careful to put ourselves on the backseat and just be encouraging the other people that were the other people we're talking to. So let's encourage each other. And Man, so many ways to do this, easy ways and more effort ways. It could be as simple as just shooting somebody a text and say, hey, I was thinking of you today. Can I pray for you today? What's going on? And I think I used to kind of get caught into this weird thing that we tell ourselves of like, well, I don't want to be weird and just text them out of the blue. And, you know, they're going to be like, well, I haven't heard from you in forever. And why are you reaching out now? I really think we just need to cut all that out. Like we need to stop overthinking it. If the Lord puts somebody on your heart, boy, just reach out in whatever way that comes to mind. It could seriously take less than 30 seconds and you have no idea how you might make someone's day. Again, I feel like I've been on the receiving end of this so many times. And particularly, I I recall like when I was going through a very difficult time. And often when people are going through hard times, that's when people are like, oh man, I just, I don't know what to say. So I better just not say anything at all. Oh, don't do that. That's just the enemy telling you that, you know, that we can't do what the word is telling us here and build each other up as we are doing. That's what he, Paul was saying here. But encouraging people 
just, you know, if the Lord brings them to mind, shoot them that text. Maybe it's something that's a little bit more effort. I have a friend in our neighborhood that she will text me when she's in Trader Joe's just to say, hey, I'm at Trader Joe's. Can I get you something today? Is there some things that I could be doing? Because she, I don't know if she knows this or not, but I kind of feel like Trader Joe's is seriously the worst place to go possible during all of the COVID mandate stuff. It has just been the most stressful store to me. So I don't enjoy it. And it takes, you know, it takes three times as long as it used to. And so sometimes it's an effort thing of, you know, hey, I'm here. But can I do this? Can I bring this to your door? Or maybe if somebody, if they've got a kiddo that's sick or, you know, whatever we can do. So sometimes it is something we can encourage someone by something we do. But sometimes it could just be that easy text too. But fellowship as encouragement, it should go even further. So there's a specific element of what we are encouraging in. And I think this is going to bring us into the purpose in our fellowship. So back at that Hebrews 10 passage, back up one verse. I read Hebrews 10.25 a minute ago, but back in 10.24, it says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. That's a pretty clear, that that's a directive for what our speech should be to each other. Okay, so if we are chatting it up with our friends and our conversation isn't very encouraging, and it's not encouraging us to encouraging the people we're talking to to love and good works, then we should probably be looking for ways that we can do that. So this tells us right away that there are some things that need to be eliminated in our conversation. If we're going to be doing the things that Hebrews 10, 24 says, if we're going to be stirring one another up for love and good works, then we're not going to be gossiping. We're not going to be throwing our spouses or our children or our friends under the bus. Okay, we're going to be like we said earlier, we're going to be the encouraging, we're going to have be the cheerleader for folks. And we're going to be stirring one another up for love and good works. That's a really interesting phrase right there. I think there's a lot more there that we could unpack. What would that look like for you personally, to stir one another up for love and good works? I think sometimes we can fall into that like, well, I don't want to tell somebody what to do. Well, that's not what it is. But how can you have a conversation to know someone? Because we're going to talk about that part of this fellowship thing is actually knowing and being known. We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, how can we stir each other up for love and good works? I think that there's a lot in that phrase that I don't even know that I want to commentate on too much. But I think maybe we should think and pray about that one a little bit. How can we do that? But you know, lest we think that, you know, encouraging others in true fellowship is just all the, you know, affirming and happy words that we're always going to want to hear. I think we need to look at a couple other passages that are going to give our fellowship a little bit further purpose. And this is going to dig a little deeper. But in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Hmm. That's interesting. And then Colossians 3.16 also says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Admonish. Do I like that word? Hmm, I'm not sure if I do. You know, I mean, when I look it up, the word admonish, it means to warn, caution against specific faults or to reprove with mildness. 
Now, I like the mildness part. I think that's important because perhaps maybe we do get the admonished thing and we're like, yes, we want to correct somebody on this thing, but we forget the mildness part. Admonish is not meant to be a harsh thing, but it is there is some correction there. And so this is encouraging us that those that we're in fellowship with, it, it just it doesn't mean to affirm their choice of something harmful. Okay, this is a really easy one for us to picture if you're a mom, because we do this all the time as moms, admonishing, teaching our kids. Okay, we're not harsh, but we're, you know, if if your kid is clearly doing something that they should not do, we're going to correct them. If they're going to reach their hand out on the hot iron, you're going to pull their hand back. You're going to correct them so that they don't hurt themselves. But this is not a word. I mean, I think that application is there actually for their uh, for us as parents. But this is broadly speaking for Paul was talking to us as believers and all of the believers. That first part, he says to dwell richly in the word of Christ. I love that because that's where this needs to start. We need to know the word. We need to be submitted to the words of Jesus. And it says to dwell richly in those. That's just such a great word to capture that. But then it says that to when we're reproving with mildness still, when that's called for. So we're starting with dwelling with the word with dwelling with the words of Christ richly. And then it's saying that we still have that admonished peace with that. And this is where I'm saying, okay, friends, we struggle with this if this is maybe a family member or a close friend that's kind of walking down a road that is harmful to them. And we see this in all kinds of things now, guys. You know, maybe it's the uh, our old friends from college and, you know, they're talking to you about that they're going to move in with their boyfriend or whatever it is. And, and there's part of you going, okay, I, I want to be... I want to be your friend. And so we we have that mindset of like, well, then I need to not tell you things you don't want to hear. But that's not actually what it's saying that is part of this real fellowship thing, okay? That we are, we're going to be okay to admonish people. And, you know, while we might be afraid of what they're going to think if we tell them something that they're not going to like, but think about it just from the context, like if I gave you the picture of your kiddo that is going to touch a hot iron, it's going to hurt them. And, you know, same thing with our friends and family members. How is it loving of us to watch someone, you know, just barreling towards a cliff that they're about to fly off and not try to steer them away? So, again, realize it's mild. I think you can even see the the connotation of loving in there. This is the speaking the truth in love piece. But interesting that this all of this is part of being in fellowship with one another. Keep in mind, we're talking about fellowship among believers here, guys. We're talking about what we should be doing in the church, people who have confessed Jesus. We're supposed to be in fellowship with one another. That's what Acts 2.42 said. But I admit that the introvert in me just tries to rebel against this concept every now and then. And 2020 made this a pretty easy one to make an excuse for, right? Because we couldn't do it. There's another Spurgeon quote I want to give you, and it says, some Christians try to go to heaven alone in solitude, but believers are not compared to bears or lions or other animals that wander alone. Those who belong to Christ are sheep in this respect, that they love to get together. Sheep go in flocks, and so do God's people. There we are again, sheep. You know, we talked about this when we did the Good Shepherd episode several weeks ago, and we are compared to sheep often in Scripture. And I told you all my thoughts on sheep. They're not bright. They're not awesome. We're like sheep, but they're always in a clump, right? They're usually sheep like to 
they like to go in a pack. And acknowledging that this is, we aren't meant to be this lone ranger type. That's not what the word says. And we can even see how Jesus modeled this. You know, think Jesus, yes, he absolutely spent time alone with God. But how did he model this through his ministry? I think of the 12 disciples that were or the 12 apostles that were with him. And he selected people to be in that group. And he modeled for us this idea of being in fellowship together. So not only do you see it in Acts 2.42, but I think we can even see that how Jesus modeled this. And I maybe perhaps even just this side-by-side living life with others, you know, I think sometimes we think maybe I, I don't need fellowship, but that's not what's modeled in scripture. And if that's you, because guys, that's often me, I'm just being real. We need to lay that down and we need to submit that to the word because that's not what scripture models. Okay, it tells us right there in 242. I've read you several passages about fellowship and, and encouraging one another and what those should look like. Jesus himself models this in the group that he has around him as well. So we need to be careful. And again, I am highly, you know, inserting myself in that mix. I need to be careful that with any kind of attitude that says I don't need fellowship or I don't need that. Another purpose in this encouragement, I think we see in James 5.16. And in James 5.16 says, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I read that in the King James Version because I really like how the King James puts that. But here's this element, you know, first we threw out that we are to admonish those that we're in our community with. But now we're going to, we're supposed to confess too. So now you're probably thinking, okay, now we, you've gone a little too far. Because this can be hard for us. We, we tend to want to give off the idea that, you know, we've got this thing. We, we don't need to confess anything. We've got it all together. But be real, we don't. And I think this verse also hints at the level that we are to know one another. I was telling you earlier that we needed to talk a little bit about being known to people, being able to know others and also be known. And I think that's what James 5.16 is hinting at, because if you're going to know somebody at that level where you're going to confess your faults to another, Galatians 6.2 also reminds us that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we've got these two things, confessing our faults to one another praying for each other and bearing one another's burdens. Okay, guys, that's not a shallow relationship. Let's be serious. That is not. Now, now keep in mind, you're not going to just have that at the, the grocery store, at the checkout gal. That's probably not where you're going to have that level of fellowship. So I think this is giving us a model of what this type of fellowship should look like. Does it mean that you should bear your burdens and confess your soul to literally every person that you see? No, I do not think so. I think that would fall into the, you know, just the kind and encouragement that we can have to someone we just see an acquaintance. But for those that you've chosen to like bring into your community and that you're going to fellowship with each other, that there is that element of confessing your faults to one another praying for each other. And guys, that's a deeper level. Sometimes that's a little bit more uncomfortable space than we want to go in. I I think sometimes we can tend to be like, well, I'll be that I can do that with my spouse, but that's it, you know? Or I can do that with this one friend, but that's it. I would just pray about that because I think that this model, it's not saying that we should 
I don't know why I and maybe it's because I'm leaning against that model that Jesus put with uh, his disciples that were around him and those 12 men. But I feel like it needs we need to be open to what that group should look like. And knowing that there are times that we are going to confess something that might make us be a, just a smidge vulnerable, you know. So another element of this fellowship is the unity part. And man, this is a whole conversation all on its own. So I'm not going to go too deep here. I sure think there are so many things that we could say and we need to be praying about what unity in the church looks like. But I wanted to look at just one element of that unity as it pertains to fellowship, because in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And man, there's just this really cool picture in Corinthians about that, you know, we, the church, are the body of Christ. And and it shows us that the body has many members. So, you know, you've got the hand has a different purpose than the foot and the eye and the ear. But each of them works and the Lord uses differently. But yet it's all part of one body. And a couple of things I pull out of this. I mean, one of the things, like I was saying earlier about praying about who is in that community with you, who is it that you are choosing to fellowship? I think we need to be a little bit careful to for all the hands to not just go hang out or all the feet or all the ears. Sometimes we can have a tendency to just sort of, we just want to hang out with people that are exactly like us, you know, have the exact same interests and do things just the way we like them done. I've been feeling like I need to be challenged in that just a little bit. I don't think that that is always a good thing. I think we should recognize that there are many members in the body and that they all can work together. And so, you know, and we have some of you could see this. I have a great example of this, of just, you know, a friend that has just different strengths than me. So who has the, the Pinterest friend? You know, the one that seriously can nail anything that they see. So uh, this one I'm thinking of right now, she can decorate. She took this picture, guys. She took a picture of this decorated cookies that she made to look like Thanksgiving pies. Yes, she did. Yes, they looked exactly like Thanksgiving pies, but they were cookies. Okay, and it was amazing. Now, that was amazing. It was beautiful to see, and it was just cool to see her creative gifting and all of that kind of stuff. But let me tell you, the reason I bring her up and why I think she's this absolutely is amazing, because she's truly, she just slays everything hosting. But the thing that I love about her particular gifting and strength is she never uses like, oh, look how I've done this, you know, to set some sort of standard for other people. She you just get you just know that the what she's done in that is just because she was wanting to show love to people. And it really does inspire me. Now, for me, folks, I am this is just not my strength. And I don't think any of us need to fall into the lie that says that, you know, if in order to show great hospitality or care for others that we have to spend, you know, five hours creating the perfect like, you know, whatever those fancy cheese board things are. See, not my strength. I don't even know how to say that word. But that's not the point. Okay. Fellowship is the point. And we're all part of that body. So that's just a freebie for us. But don't covet or wring your hands for a moment at something that isn't your gifting. You know, do what the Lord's called you to do. But the thing is, is that because of that comparison game that sometimes us women fall into, we can go, well, I should be doing it that way. Maybe you shouldn't. 
Don't worry about that. Do the thing that the Lord's called you to do and then celebrate the things that others are really good at. And I think that's how we can really strengthen that group of fellowship when we can really acknowledge the strengths that other people have. Not saying that you're like terrible at something or that you, if there's something you want to do better at, then yeah, do that thing. But don't make that what the fellowship is centered around on the presentation side of it or whatever. I mean, again, clearly a podcast for women because guys would be like, why would you ever give two seconds thought about that? But uh, yeah, knowing our audience, gals, we know that we have a hard time with like, oh, but look at all the cute things they did for this party or whatever. Don't worry about that. But let's make fellowship the key. So a little bit of a tangent, but I do want us to think about the unity part of admiring other people's gifts, celebrating that, encouraging them. Again, that goes back to that first one of just encouraging and building one another up, but being acknowledging other strengths and differences, realizing we are just different pieces of one body. And how can we work together? How can we build each other up to work the best and honor Christ in it? So let's throw one more out there as far with with fellowship. And um, this is just, I like this one. We're going to read this in 2 Corinthians 13, 11. It's talking about the, the peace and comfort that comes from fellowship. And 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. What a sweet verse. And it it sure doesn't feel like there's been a whole lot of peace and comfort and restoration right now, does it? And perhaps, partly, maybe some of this, guys, is because we've just not even been in fellowship together. Really not real fellowship. Like I said, we're in the soft reopening. So some of us are starting to do some of this again. But if we've barely even been to church together, our churches here still aren't open widely. You know, our church is starting to open up where we can sit outside and that kind of stuff, which is so amazing to see people coming in. But that part of fellowship has been gone for a while. And this is just that other element that is supposed to come with good fellowship, aiming for restoration. We could talk just about that phrase right there, because right now everybody has a different opinion, whether it's politics, sometimes it's even uh, something about the church itself. But there's a lot of division. And I, and this is a great reminder that says that our aim, our goal, guys, should be restoration. Just bringing peace and comforting one another. Everybody needs that right now. So many people are going through some, some hard times, whether it's a job that's been lost or even just general uncertainties and anxieties and different things like that. But there's a whole lot of folks that you probably know that maybe you haven't reached out to in a while that could probably use some comfort. They could probably use some encouragement. And so hopefully some of these give you guys some ideas of what that real fellowship can look like. And like I said, I seriously think I needed this reminder to go, oh, aim. This is what real fellowship looks like because, yes, we've all been away from it for so long. So it's a little bit of a refresher course of what we should do. But Remember, you know, that first Spurgeon quote that I talked about where it says the enemy does not want this. Okay, he does not want us to be in good fellowship together. He doesn't want us to be encouraged. He doesn't want there to be purpose in our fellowship of comforting each other and of of giving peace to each other. He doesn't want that. He doesn't he doesn't want us to admonish each other. 
He would rather we just allow our loved ones and family members to just go barreling off the cliff. That's the direction he wants. So he really is against fellowship. And sometimes I think I throw that out there, guys, because I am just I can be a little bit of a fighter sometimes. And sometimes I don't know if this is an admirable trait or not, but I can feel like if I know that it's something that the enemy really wants, it just kind of fires me up a little bit. And I sure don't want to make it easier for him. And while fellowship, good fellowship might be hard for me sometimes, it might take my little introvert self out of my box and it might push me into a group perhaps that I, you know, maybe I'm not as comfortable with. But each time we do that and we are showing Christ to the people we love, the people in the church, the people we don't even know even, how we can extend that good fellowship to people, we are, we're getting a win on the enemy. We're taking it to him. And I love that. I don't want him to further his agenda. And he's done so much lately, right? But the Lord is doing so much more. And I want to be on that side. I want to be on that team. I want to be encouraging you people. I want to be building people up. I want to give peace and I want to give comfort. I want to have the courage to admonish mildly, gently, lovingly, the truth and love, but I want to have the courage to do that as the Lord directs me to do that because it is part of good fellowship. And just to remind y'all, that's why we're here right now. That's why the podcast is here because Acts 2.42 is telling us that fellowship is one of those pieces that the church is supposed to be doing. So remember, we don't get to like, well, I don't really like that one. So I'm going to just do the other ones really well and ignore that. Okay, that would be easier for introvert lady over here, but that is not submitting to the word. We got to take all the word. The word measures us. We don't measure the word. So how can we take our fellowship up a notch? You know, we've talked about, you know, that this is just now in some places even just starting to happen. So maybe you're somebody that is in that boat where you're like, hey, even if I, you know, maybe I do really want to get out there and be able to meet with people and have people over, but maybe you're in a situation health-wise that you can't do that. And because of all the things that are going on, you do have to be home and you have to do that stuff. There's still ways, guys. Don't let it be an excuse. Like I said, send somebody a text message, send someone an email. Remember those old things we used to do called letters? How amazing would it be if we just started writing people and encouraging people in their walk and asking them some questions about how they're doing? And and I wanted to list some of those, too, because if we're going to take this fellowship up a notch, you know, think about, like I said, we need might need to be creative with how that fellowship happens, but don't make our situation an excuse for it. Don't give the enemy that that point. But, you know, take time. Take your time together with your friendships and and acquaintances even to maybe level up the real fellowship. And sometimes that's even just asking a little bit more pointed or directed questions. And I'm going to list some of these and you're going to be like, well, that's kind of weird. Why would I say that? Well, think about it. Think about it. Because sometimes it can just be like asking somebody how, how you can be praying for them. What is one thing I could be praying for you about? I have friends that have just shot me a text message and said, what can I pray for you today? And it encourages me, guys. It's such an encouragement. And I'll give them something to be praying for. Remember that verse in James 5, 16, the the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Sign me up for that. 
I am all about that. So I love that. That's an encouragement to me, but I can be doing that as well. So be creative with the ways that we do a fellowship, even if you cannot gather. Don't let it be an excuse. But then maybe even asking him other things. Hey, what are where are you reading in the word right now? Where is your Bible study taking you? What kinds of stuff are you reading daily? Ask them for prayers that have been answered lately. Hey, what have you seen the Lord do in your family this week? What have you seen the Lord do for you? Having that thankful heart in all of this, boy, that's been such a great just daily perspective shift of being thankful for all of the things, you know, particularly as we've been talking about in these last couple of weeks and, and the shift of schools and what is happening and what isn't happening. There's a whole lot that isn't happening. Is my family overjoyed at the situation and how it's all working out? Well, not really. But like I told y'all back in the, uh, I think it was the the plans episode, we want to be being thankful for what we have. We want to be thinking about the things that we can do to just honor the Lord with what we've got. And that's what I want to do. How can we glorify the Lord in this and not being ungrateful for what we do have. You know, it's a small shift from complaining about what you don't have to just shifting that over and going, yeah, but we do have this. And it really shifts your mindset. So, but asking people, how, you know, how can we be praying for you? What prayers have you seen answered? How is the Lord working? And I, you know, this is one I've loved is what is getting you out of bed every morning? Sometimes this is a good question for us as women, because sometimes if you ask a gal, hey, what's getting you out of bed in the morning? They might look at you and almost cry. And they might be like, you know what? I'm having a real hard time getting up in the morning right now. And so then right there, you have asked a question, you know exactly how to be praying for them. Because sometimes there are those seasons, guys, where that's just that is hard. It's hard. So that could be something that you could just ask someone, what's motivating them right now? And you may find that, hey, some, sometimes something isn't motivating them right now. So pray for that. But you may also find the things that are really making them passionate about life right now. And maybe if they have a hard time answering that question, it might even be a, a moment for the both of you to talk about like, what should be getting us up in the morning right now? What should be my mission? What should I be really spending my time thinking on and all of that, because, you know, there's just been so many distractions, guys, of all the negative things in the news and all of the yuck that we just are all sick of. And sometimes I just think we need to look at, hey, what is getting us up today? When somebody I was speaking somewhere and I talked about the thing that's getting me up right now. And I think the Lord has just put this on my heart. It's kind of been this way for the last year, but I just feel like the Lord just continues to affirm and solidify this message. But it's Ephesians 5. It's Ephesians 5, I think it's 15 and 16. Consider how you walk. Walk wisely for the days are evil. I feel that all the time. I just, you know, whether it is just the craziness of where we're at right now, I don't know. I just have this like desire to just not waste it. And so that is the thing that I keep asking the Lord, what can I do today that makes me not waste this? And whether it's a teaching opportunity with my kids, maybe it's something podcast related that I'm preparing here. But Lord, what do you have for me that makes it, I don't want to waste this. I want to walk wisely. I want to walk carefully. I want to glorify you. And that is the thing that I just keep mulling over. And if I'm, I want to be moving more towards that, that goal, if that makes sense. You know, I just want that to be 
what motivates me. But go beyond the surface, you know, know them and be known. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, that's kind of the terrifying part. And I have been more than a little terrified by that guy's often. I'm okay with knowing people, but sometimes I don't know if I want to be known, right? But we are submitted to the word. We don't get to pick and choose our own adventure when it comes to the word of God. And fellowship is one of those four things. So like I said, I know I focused a little bit on those that struggle to be in fellowship. And I know that there are many of you, though, that are just chomping at the bit to be in fellowship with others. And that is so great. You know, you can help those of us that have a tougher time along the way. But we need to be doing this and we need to be doing it well. Pray and ask the Lord, how can I be in fellowship with people in the situation I'm in? How can we do this better and take our fellowship up a notch? So hopefully wherever you are on uh, the fellowship spectrum here. Um, Hopefully there were some reminders even in here, like I said, just a little refresher course on how we need to do this fellowship thing and what the word says about it. We, you know, we want to be in the word. We want to encourage, we want to be purposeful in fellowship. Remember that purpose can be confession and bearing each other's burdens, but really knowing each other and comforting and being in unity with each other as one body. So pray about how you can be in fellowship, in community with your group. Think about how you can get outside your box a little bit and really take fellowship at God's word. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.